life. The Bible describes it as abundant, powerful, and filled with meaning, but honestly, some would say, that's not the life they know. God feels far away, silent. Their life is mundane and unfulfilling, but what if God were close? What if life felt alive and full of power? This is a six-part series about the Spirit of God living in us. part three of a series called God Within, and all of this comes out of the idea that since God lives within, there is a different kind of life that God has for us, and it's all based upon one promise he has for us that comes out of the Bible. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit lives within you or dwells in you, depending on which uh, version I put on the screen there? So, you know, for me, um, my journey following Jesus, I've been telling you a little bit each week, giving you some pieces uh, maybe by the end of the series, you'll have a, a whole picture of kind of how things went for me. I grew up in a church that did an incredible job teaching us to worship God, but not so much about how God lived within and, and helping me understand that. And so I've been trying to share with you my journey of how I've come to understand who God is, the Holy Spirit who lives within us and what that life looks like. And so when I uh, became a believer and follower of Jesus, and I grew up in a Christian home, but like we talk about here every week, just because you go to church doesn't mean that you're following God, Right. More, nor does it mean that you have a thriving relationship with him. So I was actually a teenager. I was a sophomore in high school, and it was a deeply spiritual moment that one of the cheerleaders invited me to a weekend retreat with some club at high school. I don't know what the club was, and I don't know where the retreat was, but when the cheerleaders invite you, you go, right? Come on, guys. Anybody with me? Yeah. Cool thing, though, is, of course, God showed up, and he did something amazing in my life. And at that point, even though I'd been to church almost every weekend my whole life and had heard over and over and over the same thing, God touched my heart, and something began to happen. And one of the things that God said to me at that moment is, read my word. And it turns out I actually love doing it. I'm a nerd. I, I like reading the Bible. Like, I could just sit around and read the Bible. I know that makes me weird, but, you know, whatever. Uh, anyway, so at that point, I said, okay, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to try to finish maybe by the time I graduate high school. I had about two and a half years left. I was a sophomore. And so I just decided every night before bed, I was just going to read three chapters. And it didn't matter if I was in a bad mood or not very spiritual or whatever. So there's probably a lot of chapters I just kind of went through and didn't get anything out of, you know, right, right with me. I'll ever do that sometimes. And uh, I did not do this in a smart way. So if you ever decide you're going to read the Bible, come talk to me. I'll give you some better advice because I didn't have any advice. And I just decided I was going to start at the beginning and do three chapters at a time. I was like a senior before I got to Jesus, you know? I mean, that was like, are you kidding me? Three chapters at a time through Leviticus as a high school kid, followed by numbers. And then those weird prophet people in the Old Testament. It's a miracle I made it, but I did. I made it all the way through that. So here's what started to happen my senior year right before I went off to college. I got to the Jesus part, and I was reading about Jesus doing stuff like people around Jesus walking on water and people getting healed and, and all kinds of miracles, and that was cool. And at that point, I was thinking, man, if I could just be around Jesus or be, you know, have Jesus show up or, or whatever. But then as you finish those, you go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and John starts talking about how I'm going to leave, and you're going to do better things than I did. And at this point in my senior year, I'm kind of going, Really? Because that doesn't look like the lives we live. And then you keep flipping it. If you don't know the Bible, the next thing to come is the book of Acts. And Jesus is going to heaven. He's in heaven very quickly as soon as the book starts. And the amazing things keep happening. And, and it's the people of God that are doing those things. Amen. And I became incredibly frustrated. Because the life I lived did not look like the life that I was reading about. And I, I wondered why. 
And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about this disappointment and this frustration that we have with the Christian life. I just flat out want to address the elephant in the room. Y'all know what the elephant in the room is, right? The, the thing everybody knows but nobody wants to talk about. You see, you go to church and we all like to sing some songs and clap and raise our hands and do whatever, but nobody really wants to talk about how we all share in some struggles and, and that we really do have some struggles. You see, I meet so many people that feel like I used to feel, and, and many days actually still do feel, which is that life that God intends for us is way different from the one that I'm living and, and I need you to know if you wake up every day and you feel like you are more depressed than you should be, you have an anger problem you wish would go away, you wish you could have a miracle God show up in your life and touch something like maybe you're sick or whatever. If you grow up every day, if you wake up every day and you're frustrated and you really wish life were more like what you read in the Bible, I need you to know today you're not alone. Matter of fact, almost every one of us in the room, we're struggling with the same thing. We just don't know how to get there. So what I want to do today, instead of some really great, slick message, all well put together and hopefully going to come up with something smart that you're going to tweet and all that kind of stuff, you know, today I just want to have an honest conversation about the fact that there are simply too many of us that wish our lives were different, and they're not. And week after week, nothing ever changes. And there are too many of us that honestly feel like the author of our lives is not the author of the book of Acts. And there's a disconnect because they are the same. But since our lives don't look like it's the same, we start to make excuses. How many of you have heard this one before? Well, you know you live in a fallen world, right? So when you're dying of something and you pray and God doesn't do anything and you talk to your friend, well, you know, it's a fallen world. Not everybody can get healed. And when you're depressed, they say, well, have you seen a doctor? Well, you know, yeah, but I was praying. Well, you know, it's a fallen world. God doesn't answer every prayer. And, and somehow we're, we're, we're convinced that because we have an enemy and we live in a fallen world, that we should accept less. That we should dumb down what we read about in the Bible. Look, can, can I just like point out the obvious? The second, all of it actually, all of this was also written in a fallen world. They also had an enemy. Those disciples had every opportunity that you and I have. There's, there's, a, there's more out there than what we're actually getting out of this because I need to make a couple of things clear as we're talking today. There is an enemy. This world is fallen. But that should not be an excuse for why we take so much less than what God intends for us because I can promise you this. The enemy cannot remove God's spirit from you. The enemy cannot stand in the way of the destiny God intends for you unless you willingly give it away. Amen. You can have what you read about. It's not the devil's fault that we're not getting more out of it. The disciples, they faced the enemy. Jesus faced the enemy. Everybody else has been there. So today what I'm, I'm trying to do, if anything, because I, I mean, I was not joking. I really have probably the most simple message I've ever preached in my life. One little verse and we're just going to see if it breathes life. Because I don't have anything today. The Holy Spirit has got to do something. What I hope today is going to happen is the Holy Spirit is going to make some people hungry and to yearn for something they don't even know they don't have. And I can't do that. I'm not a salesman. I'm not good at that. So I, I'm just going to show you this one passage and we're going to see what God does. And it's out of John chapter 7 if you've got your Bibles. And if not, it's going to be so short. It'll be on the screen. But we're going to start in 38, chapter, verse 38, where Jesus said this. He said, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. 
Anybody's life radically changed? You see, part of the problem is that we don't understand. Because we're, we're just, too many of us are like guys. We're like, give me a gun, let's hunt, let's shoot, let's kill. Ho, ho. You know, I mean, we, we don't get the, the poetic. Jesus was a poet. Oh, there are rivers of living water flowing out of us. I mean, we, we, don't, we don't understand what was really going on. We can't connect the dots. We can't make it practical. Too many of us look at this. It's, it's like a metaphorical thing. I don't really understand. I mean, obviously, that's a pretty picture. Some of you in here, you are poets and you are artists. And you can literally imagine get, taking a canvas and painting a picture of rivers of water. And, and oh, that's all nice and pretty. But let me ask you a question. What is that picture going to do for you when you are fighting a problem in your life and you are full of depression? What is that, that picture? I mean... And we don't connect the dots of how that's actually supposed to do something. So I'm going to try to give us some context and, and help us understand something. When Jesus said this, it was not a random sermon. He was not just walking down the street and said, hey, y'all see that water over there? No, it wasn't like that at all. It was actually one of the, the Jewish festivals that they did every single year. And this one was, had taken place for an entire week. And so what they had done every single day was the same. And Jesus was speaking at the very end after they had repeated this thing seven days in a row. And what they were doing was praying for water. Because it's the Middle East, right? And, and they, this was at the end of the summer when all of their crops, they had taken all of the water out of their wells to, to water their crops, and they were thirsty, their crops were thirsty, and they knew if a supernatural God did not do something they couldn't control. I mean, you know, we think we've got a lot covered, but who can make it rain? You know? And, and so when you need it to rain, you are depending upon God to do something you cannot do. And they were desperate for water. And so every single year they would have this same feast and they would show up and they would do this. On day one, the priest would walk over to the pool of Siloam and he would dip out with a big jar this thing full of water. And a big procession would take place as he walks back from the pool and carries it inside the temple and he goes up and he pours it on top of the altar. And by the seventh day, they would do this every single day. And people would come to watch this thing take place. It was part of a ceremony to say, God, we need you. We need you. We're desperate for you. And on the seventh day, they would do like they did with the walls of Jericho. After he picked up the water and they walked inside the temple, they would actually walk around the altar seven times before the priest would get up on his stool and pour it onto the altar. But it was like a bucket list item for all of the Jewish people to see just once in their lifetime the water. And so as, as he stood up to pour it, they would all start shouting and chanting, higher, higher, higher. I mean, can you all imagine kind of like a little Jewish rock concert thing back 2,000 years ago or something, you know? And, and so he's lifting it up higher because their biggest thing was to see the water pour from the, the bucket and to hit the altar. And they're like, yeah, and going crazy. God's going to show up. I mean, yeah. Yeah. there, I did, did I do a good job setting the context? And then as soon as they did this, Jesus stood up and said, Y'all want real water? Y'all want to stop coming in here every year and hoping that that little hole in the ground gets a little bit more? What if you could have rivers that would flow from out of you? One of my greatest hobbies that I love to do more than anything is like whitewater rafting. I think it is the coolest thing in the world to, to, to need a helmet. I mean, anything that you need a helmet for is already like manly. <laughs> We're good. And, and when you get a helmet and you go down this river that's got so much force that if God doesn't like you, you're not going to live to the other end, you know, and you hold onto this little rubber thing you call a raft and you just hope that both of you are still connected on the other end of these rapids where everything's just flying around. And the force of that, knowing that literally your life could be over, it could toss you and multiple men all across the place. When you think about that, not this little puddle that they were praying for. But that river, that kind of force, that kind of life, that kind of passion. 
And on top of that, that it actually comes from out of us. It comes from within. See, they, under, they understood what Jesus was talking about with this desperation from water. But they didn't understand what he was talking about with rivers living. What? Coming from with what? Because it wasn't their focus. See, I need you, let me just give you an analogy. Try to take you on a little mental trip here. Imagine that um, you get to go invited to the White House. You get to meet the president. You and like a hundred other people. And so they fly you there and they've got this big room and it's a big deal and you actually dress up better than you do for church because you know how we are and you know how the president is. You got to look better for the president. And so, so you're in the White House and in a few minutes, the president is supposed to come out and you're thinking, man, this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Most people don't even get this once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm going to meet the president. And if all of you are Republicans right now, then just imagine it's George W. Bush or somebody else, you know, whatever. I don't care who it is, but whatever the president is that you would like to meet, let's do that. And so you're standing in the White House and your favorite president that you voted for is supposed to come through those doors in about two minutes. And that's what all of your, your mind is on and your thoughts are on. Now I want you to imagine instead of that person is some unknown preacher. Walks out the doors and said, hey, instead of the big natural event you're looking for, the president's not going to come. He's changed his mind. But he said uh, he'd like for me to pray a blessing for some spiritual something other for all you folks. Who's going to be disappointed? Y'all can tell the truth. Who's going to be disappointed? Like, are you kidding me? Like, we can do church any other day, dude. I don't even know who you are. You're not my pastor. Get out of the way. I want to see the president. They had come. They had spent an entire week, year after year after year, and day after day, they're watching this guy. Get the water, take it inside, pour it down. Get the water, take it inside, pour it down. Go around, go around. Yeah. And Jesus says, y'all want real water? Who are you? You're just some dude from some Nazareth village that got some weirdos to follow you. They're all fishermen anyway. They got to be weird. I mean, seriously, who are you? They didn't get it because he was talking about a spiritual life. He's talking about an abundant life. He wasn't talking about you've got stuff. You want stuff. See, they were focused on the stuff of life, but he was focused on the character of life. They were looking for stuff in life, and he was talking about the quality of life. He was talking about how the spiritual could come and intervene in their natural. They just weren't getting this at all. He was talking about a completely different way of life that all came through the Holy Spirit. Now, look, at this point, some of you might still not be getting the poetry. I don't get the rivers. I don't get the living water stuff. Can I just walk you through? I'm just going to like bullet point a couple of passages here to just maybe give you words that you'll relate to. These are all also from the Holy Spirit. How about this one? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. How about this one? And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How about this? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy. Where? How? In the Holy Spirit. Amen. How about this one? Because you are sons, God has done what? Sent the Spirit. Why? So that we could cry out, Abba, Father. Look, I don't know if you get the whole water thing and you'd get the picture thing and follow that. How about this? How many of you want to wake up and feel the love of God tangibly in your life? How many of you want to be filled with hope and not despair? How many of you want joy and not depression? How many of you want peace and not strife and struggles and worry about what tomorrow could possibly bring and how in the world you're going to get through this sickness or this financial trouble or whatever comes? What if you could actually have that? And more importantly, what if you could feel like that, that God thing way out there in heaven was actually your father who loved you? What if you could feel that? Those are the words. That's what it means to have rivers of living water 
that flow through us. You see, what Jesus is trying to tell them is you can, you can spend your entire life looking for something natural. We do it, right? Or you can turn your eyes to something spiritual. And, and I can give you something that will never leave you thirsty. I can give you something you will never it's going to blow your mind. It's going to completely change your life. You actually may not get any more money. You may not get any more food, but let me tell you what, you're not even going to notice because the quality of life is going to be so different. And this is what he was basically saying. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our only source for the life God promises. The Holy Spirit is our only source for the life God promises. I had a young man one time that was a disciple, uh, whatever, he had, or I was discipling him or whatever, and he had come and asked me to, to help mentor him and, and how to follow Jesus and some things like that. He actually was already a believer when he came to me, and he was, he was really a, a great young man, and um, it was kind of like a son, because I'm old enough now, I can, I can say that, and uh, not quite a biological son, but you get the point anyway. And when he came to me, he was so filled with the Spirit of God, and he was so excited about what God was doing, and he was so full of faith. I remember one time we were encountering a problem as a group, all of us together, and, and uh, I just didn't think that God would show up. Honestly, I didn't. I, I didn't think that, that what, what we had asked for, because I'd prayed for a while and God wasn't going to do anything, didn't look like God was doing anything. So I'd started to figure maybe God just wants us to do some things in the natural, and, and let's orchestrate some moving of some pieces, kind of like playing chess, and, and, you know, we'll just say God did it in the end. You know, I had lost all faith that God would really move. And, then, and so this guy, just a gift of faith says, no, God, God's going to do this. God's going to bust this thing apart. You're not going to have to do any of those things you're planning on. God's just going to give you the answer. It's going to be, I, mean, I laughed. I laughed. I didn't believe any of that. This is, this is where he was. But then he also got really serious about a certain theological vein and just to be honest and to be fair, I'll let you know that there are some theologians in the world, a small faction of them, a little group that would, would go against everything I'm teaching here today. There are a group of people who really do like the idea that there's a God up in heaven and the Holy Spirit doesn't do a whole lot inside anymore because they read the Bible and all the stuff they see in the book of Acts pretty much in their opinion ended at about 100 AD because that's about the time that all kind of came to a stop. And they, they just don't really want people acting too weird and trying to, you know, Acts 2, that was kind of a scary moment. They don't, don't really want that happening every Sunday morning. That could be freaky. And uh, so, so there's this group who basically say, we really don't want anything of the Holy Spirit and, and all those spiritual gifts and miracles and all that. No, we don't really want any of that. Matter of fact, they would tell you if the doctor tells you you're going to die of cancer, well, too, too bad. Because they wouldn't believe in miracles. And, and so he kind of developed a hero in that camp and wanted to follow this hero and and I, I, I was challenged, I'm like, wait a minute, how are you abandoning everything that you've ever believed about the Spirit of God that lives in you? And how are you turning from that and not identifying with that? But he continued down that path. And, and, and I watched him get to a point where he just, just went into this, this place of depression and despair that he would, he would just sit and cry for hours upon hours upon hours and say, I just don't know what to do with life. See, I need you to understand something theologically, and I don't mean to bore you or, or take you to like Bible college or anything, but just, just follow with me here. We errantly teach kids, Jesus is in your heart. Y'all know that's not true, right? Amen. See, here's the deal. Jesus came to earth as a man, as God, fully man, fully God. And as I've been talking about throughout the series, he chose not to do what he did as God, he was still God. He didn't stop being God, but he chose not to do things as God. He chose to do them as a man filled with the Spirit of God to be an example for you and me. That whatever he did, we could do. 
that if he could walk in purity, we could walk in purity. If he could heal the sick, we could heal the sick. And so it's not that he stopped being God. He just chose not to operate as God. And then we know how the story goes. He was crucified. He rose again. He spent 40 days teaching his disciples. And then what? He went to sit at the right hand of the Father. And that is where he is today. He is not living in your heart. There's not a little dude in here. I mean, it's really cute for a five-year-old. But theologically, you need to understand Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And he will come back once and only once. And when he comes back, it's going to be a really cool day for some and a really bad day for others. But it will be a, a, a majestic day all over planet Earth. So what the, the thing is, when we say to the Holy Spirit, because Jesus said, I'm going to the Father and I'm going to put my spirit within you. This is how your future is going to go. This is how you're going to talk to God. This is how you're going to get the things of God, the life that God promises, this abundant life I talk about. It's all coming through the Spirit of God. And so if you at some point in history look and say, well, I tell you what, I like the Father and I like Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, I'm kind of done with you. Then you just cut yourself off from that life. And you can go from being this kid who's so full of faith and so much passion and praying for miracles that you can't even get out of your own bed because you've got nothing. Because Jesus is in heaven. And if you don't want his spirit, that he said, I'm going to leave so that you can have my spirit, so that you can do greater things than me, so that you can have a relationship with the Father. That was his promise. And that's what he wants for us. So the question for us is, how do we exchange this life that we're living for the one that Jesus is actually offering through the Spirit. And the, the answer is actually incredibly simple because I, I, I want to make sure we understand something here. God is not withholding it. Did y'all hear that? God is not withholding the life that you want. He's not sitting up in heaven going, oh, look, she's all depressed. Oh, it sucks to be her. Oh, he's sick and he's dying. Oh, too bad. He grew up in a fallen world. It's not my fault. I can do it, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Do you really think that that's our God? That's not our God. Everything that he has for us is freely offered to us. Our eyes are simply not on it. And when I told you I don't have anything crafty today to say that I just I need the Holy Spirit to do something because here's what happens every single Sunday. And we're going to end differently today, by the way. I'll just go ahead and give you that little clue. But every single Sunday we end, we got a loud song. Woo, we're all excited. And we, by the time you get to the second set of doors, your eyes have gone back to a natural world. Honey, where do you want to go to lunch? You want to go to Moe's? I hope Moe's isn't too crowded. I don't know. I had burritos three times this week. Can we go to Five Guys? I'd like to have a burger. Well, I don't know. I wonder if it's hot outside, you know, because it was getting warmer as we came. I mean, we, we turn our eyes back to those people that Jesus was talking to. Well, we need water in the natural. We need something in our wells. We need stuff. I want to stuff. I'm looking at stuff. And we, 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 don't, we don't interact with a living God. We don't just say, I'm desperate. If you don't move, Holy Spirit, I've got nothing. You see, we end every service, every single week with prayer teams down front. We say, if you'd like prayer, come down front. And most of the time they go unused because people just walk out. Well, you know, the doctor didn't tell me I had cancer this week, so I guess I'm good. Like you don't need prayer, but it's like we don't. I'm good. We, we don't understand what God intends for us and, and that spiritual life that he wants to bring to us. And I mean, I don't need, I don't have the words to communicate that hunger. It's just the Holy Spirit's got to do something because we're simply focused on the wrong life. We wake up every day. I mean, seriously, when you wake up, what's your first thought? Most every single one of us, I need coffee. 
I need tea. Or, oh my God, it's Monday. I mean, I don't know what your first thought is. What am I going to wear today? Oh crap, I've got that presentation today. Or we got kids to get to school. I mean, look, I know the life we're talking about. Like, you know, I wish that I could say that I just kind of drive down the road. Oh, look, there's a person. Let me pull over and do a healing miracle right on the side of the road, you know? <laughs> oh, look, you know, I'll just throw my handkerchief out the window like Peter and Paul. And we'll just see people healed as they go down the street, you know? Now, look, I, I'm just like you. I'm preaching this because I'm frustrated still with the life I live doesn't line up with the life I read about. I get up every day, do a little prayer, do a little, you know, reading the Bible, whatever, pray with my wife, and then and we go into the routine, yelling at kids to get out of bed. It takes about three or four times, you know, about a half hour. Every five minutes, you keep revisiting the room. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? Who, who, who threw shoes at anybody's head this past week? Raise a hand. Come on, come on. Just so you know, you don't have to repent of that one, okay? You just got to do what you got to do to get them out of bed. And so by the time you get downstairs, somebody's like, I'm going to fix some food. Somebody else says, I'm making breakfast. And I uh, get the kids. Everybody getting them dressed. You're getting them in the car. And, and then all that's going wrong because you already threw shoes at one kid. And then by the time, don't look at me like you're all holy and I'm not. You're laughing because you live it. And you know what I'm talking about. And so then after you drop off one kid, you go to a school, you got other kids. And, and, and you know how the kids are all supposed to get out of the right side of the car so they don't get run over in the street at those elementary places where you're dropping them off. And, and so the teacher opens the door and one kid darts off and takes off running. The other kid's trying to get out the other side of the car. So I'm yelling at him, don't open that door. You can't open that door. And the teacher's like, no, don't get out on that side of the car. You got to get on this side. Everybody's yelling at the kid and the poor kid's just in there about to cry because his book bag strap's caught in the door. <laughs> but he can't open the door. And I'm so angry that he does not know which side of the car to get out on. We've been doing this for like four years. How can you not know which side of the car to get out on? And I'm yelling at him and he's yelling at me and the teacher's waiting because everybody's backed up. Traffic is back out to the main street. And then I've got to write a sermon when I get to work. Like, God, would you talk to me? No, I don't want God. I mean, God's not talking to me. I've been yelling at kids and throwing shoes at heads and everything else. And and then you get to the office, and it's like, Pastor, can you pray for me? I'm pretty sure you don't want Pastor praying for you this morning. <laughs> you might want to call somebody that, like, actually, you know, still holy, you know? I mean, I'll tell you what. If you want to have the kind of life I'm talking about, the first thing is we probably mean, like, everybody around you just needs to go away, right? You need to live on an island by yourself. Look at y'all nodding your heads. Well, guess what? That ain't going to happen. And the life that God wants for us, he wants us to have right here, right now. And I don't know what that does for the shoe throwing, but I do know... I do know that it changes everything else because here's what happens. We get up and we get focused on the kids and we get focused on the bills and we get focused on the presentation and we get focused on how we still have this sickness and we, we still need that car to be replaced and we still don't have this much money. And almost every one of us, we just wish we could win the lottery. I mean, seriously. How many of you have said internally, if I could just win the lottery, all my problems would be solved? That is such a, natural focus of life. And so we get so frustrated and so disappointed with this life. Who do we blame? God. Because God won't do what he did in the book of Acts. God won't show up anymore. God won't do this and he won't answer that prayer and, and he can't help me with my money problems and all these different things. And, and our problem is the same problem they had is we're simply looking and going, I want water in the well I need a new car. I need more money in the bank. I need to get through this presentation. I need to pass this test I didn't study for. Kids, y'all with me? Like, y'all, the only time y'all invite the Holy Spirit is like algebra class. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I do worship you. Please come and help me. What is that Pythagorean? What? 
And we're all focused on stuff and natural and natural and natural. And Jesus says, can you stop it? Because rivers of living water. If you want to, if you want to defeat depression, it's not going to come with something out there. If you want to have hope, it's not going to come from out there. I mean, you think money is hope? No, that's just one happy day because it'll all be gone and the bills will all come back. It's not the answer. We're simply not aware of the Holy Spirit and what He intends to do within. It changes how we live. You see, I have a rental house and it's not because I'm a rich land baron. It's because my wife and I bought a small house when we moved to Columbia and then we had four kids. And we got to a point where we shared a bedroom with one of our kids and a dog. We said it's time to get a bigger house. But of course, everybody knows how the economy went over those last five or six years or something like that. And we didn't have enough money to pay somebody to take our house away from us because, you know, the value had dropped so much that we decided to rent it. All right, there you go. So we have a tenant. I want you to follow this analogy. See, when I need something done at my house, I have to kind of wish for it and dream and put it on the list for the budget. Like, man, we had really liked to, you know, replace that light fixture. It's kind of outdated, like from 1985. I wish we could read it. Well, let's put it on the budget. In about three months, you know, we save enough money, we can replace that light fixture. But if my tenant at my rental house calls up and says, hey, the light fixture is broken, I'd do it that day. I have to go and rearrange my schedule. Well, I was going to do this, but now I'm going to do that. And I have to rearrange the budget. Well, we were going to go out to eat, but now we're not because I'm going to buy this light for the tenant. Because, see, the tenant has rights. And the tenant comes before me. The Holy Spirit lives in this house. Amen. And the tenant comes before me. You see, if we got that, if we lived like that, well, well I was going to go over here, but Holy Spirit, you want me to go over there? Okay, I'll, I'll do that. Well, well, I was just going to go lay on the couch and watch TV, but you want me to go talk to my, okay, I'll go talk to my neighbor. Yeah, I'm happy to talk to him about Jesus. Well, I was on my way to lunch over here, but my coworker who's looking sad at their cubicle and not going to lunch today, you want me to talk to them? I'll go do that. You want to talk about changing the way we live our lives? Let me give you another analogy that may help with it. Who's ever played the, the little game where like you get a kid that stands on your toes and you hold their hands and you walk like this with a kid? Anybody? Last service looked at me like I was from an alien planet. Like, if not, y'all need to go volunteer in the nursery, play with kids or something. Or maybe not, because maybe I don't like kids. Maybe that's the problem. Anyway, I love kids. Got four of them. And, and so holding hands and walking with them. Here's the thing about it. When you put a kid on your toes and every step that you take, you, if you're not careful, they're going to go flying off, right? Here's the thing. When you've got another with you, every step you take, it changes how you walk. And I told you last week, when, when this became real to me, I started talking in we. And y'all looked at me like I was crazy. But I'm not crazy. You need to start talking in we. Good morning, God. What are we doing today? Hey, God, how do we feel? Because this part of me was a little bit confused. Hey, God, what, 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 do, you want, what do you want us to do at work today? Because there's some people that need to know about you. How are we going to share the truth about you today? How are we going to put a smile on our face with you knowing what happened to me yesterday, God? When we start talking and we, it changes how we walk because there is somebody with us. Every step we take, everything is, every single moment, there is someone else who's involved in this. It's not just about me. Now the truth, I just want to close with a simple question today. Simple question. What kind of life do you want? Seriously. I want you to answer it for yourself internally. What kind of life do you want? Are you good? 
If you had more money, would you be good? Is that all you want? If you've got a disease, and I said today, I can heal that disease and you'll never be sick again for the next 40 years. Or, you can keep that disease that frustrates you. Maybe it's migraines. Maybe it's fibromyalgia. Maybe it's cancer. But while you have that disease, imagine that every single day you could, you could see a miracle done through you. You could pray for someone and they'd be miraculously healed. You could pray where someone else sees there's no answer and God would show up. Which one would you rather have? A natural healing or watch a supernatural testimony every single day? If I said, in one hand, I've got the winning lottery ticket. But in the other hand, I've got a spiritual gift of healing. You can walk down to the hospital, touch someone on the shoulder, and they will get up out of a wheelchair. Or you can have $246 million. Now look, I know it's an obvious choice. Besides, you're sitting in church, you all know what the right answer is. But every day we don't wake up and say, God, would you give me a spiritual gift of healing? I'm going to go to the hospital on my lunch break and start praying for people. We just say, God, would you give me more money today? Would you give me a raise? Would you give me a promotion? Would you get rid of that mean boss? Even though we know the right answers to the questions, it's not the questions we ask every day. We don't wake up and do that. I want you to hear this sentence. If natural problems can derail you and natural pleasures can fulfill you, then that's why your life sucks. That last part was not in the notes. I'm sorry. It just came out. But I think it was good. I'm going to say it again. If natural problems can derail you and natural pleasures can fulfill you, then your life sucks. Because here's the deal. I love a week at the Caribbean beach as much as the next guy. Truth is, more than the next guy. I love the Caribbean. My wife and I, we are fans of white sand and blue water and kids in South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. We are fans. But even that is totally empty if every day of my life I'm not seeing lives changed and people doing something through. I mean, I get up and I talk, which my kids usually say is like stupid. But I talk and people's lives get changed. That is better than a natural pleasure. They don't fulfill me is what I'm trying to say. They're fun. They don't fulfill me. They're not what I long for. I, I want to introduce to you today, actually my whole message, I thought I waited too late. I could have done this. I could have just done my entire message today saying, I want to tell you the story of a person I know. And he's one of our elders. And his name is Kent. And he's actually sitting right there. If you don't know him, you need to get to know this guy. And since sometimes things are better caught than taught, if you really want to, just stick around and ask him if you can spend time with him. Because if there's any person that I know that lives what I'm talking about this morning, like that life we all wish we had, you're jealous when you get around him. Because nothing derails him. I've watched him go through some pretty tough things, and he'll just be like, oh, that's okay. God's got it. I mean, you wouldn't even know if he got bad news because he won't even stop smiling. And if he were to win the lottery, look, you would want to get near him because by midnight, all the money's gone. I mean, he loves his wife, so the first chunk of money, he's going to do something for her. Whatever it is she would want. But then he's just going to be like, oh, look, there's a sad person. Go get some ice cream. Oh, look, there's a person. Your car's not very nice. Go get a new car. I mean, he, he would give it all away and never think twice because he doesn't care. His, his focus is just in another world, which is one of the reasons I'm so glad he's one of our elders. And he's been our elder since the day we started the church, and every time he wants to take a break, I don't let him. 
because I think there's something spiritual in the foundation of the church because we've got elders who they don't care about their paycheck. I mean, seriously, they don't care about what they own or what they don't own. They, they just simply want to see their lives matter. They want to wake up and know that if they pray for somebody at work, that God's going to actually touch that person. And they actually believe that if they pray for somebody at work, God's going to do it right then and there. So what kind of life do you want? I don't have anything other than to say, I hope today the Holy Spirit makes some of you so absolutely sick of the mundane, boring life you live. It's got nothing going on. You say, I want something. Start using we. Pursue an actual relationship with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is our only source for the life God promises. There is no other option. Amen? I need you to know this as we close today. Some of you, you've got the Spirit of God and you've just been looking at natural stuff and you've been missing the light. But then there are some of you, you don't have the Spirit of God. Because when Jesus said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, the phrase that came after it, did you catch it? He said this about the Spirit whom those who believed in him would receive. If you've never exchanged this life where you're the center of everything and you're the king and it's all about you, like I started out talking about happened to me when I was 16. If you've never exchanged this life about you for one where Jesus is your king and he sends his spirit to live inside of you and changes your heart, you don't have any hope of having anything I've talked about today until you do that. So I want to help you do that if you've never done it. It's not weird. You don't have to stand up or do anything. We're just going to pray. Would you all pray with me right now? And pray something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died a death I deserve to give me a life filled with your spirit. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for paying a price that I should have had to pay. And today I have one simple prayer that you will give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen celebrate with those folks in there. Now, if you're used to being at Grace Life, now's when I'm going to mess things up. Because normally we stand up and we, we sing a nice loud song and then we go out saying, where are we going to eat lunch, honey? I don't want us to lose our, our focus so fast and to go back to our natural world. I want us to take a moment. And we're going to do a not-so-fast song. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to come and touch us. If you would stand with me, we're going to worship. And I've asked the worship team to do a different kind of song for us right now. And I'm asking them, actually, you don't even need to look at the wall. You don't need to read the words. If you will just maybe try something new, maybe hold out your hands and just act like you're receiving something from the Holy Spirit. And just allow the Holy Spirit to come and give you a life that you know you want. Let's just worship right now. Let's allow God to touch us and to do something in this place. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.